recorded at Channel 511 in Studio C, located in the Brewery District in downtown Columbus, Ohio. This is Note to Future Me. I'm Brett Johnson, owner of Circle 270 Media Podcast Consultants. Been on a bit of a hiatus on creating podcast episodes, uh, business before pleasure, <laughs> but uh, the uh, the podcast has been on my mind and uh, creating a lot of uh, content ideas as well as lining up interviews for 2020. But what did trigger me to want to get an episode out here, uh, at least in January, was the passing of Neil Peart from Rush, who uh, passed away at the age of 67 on January 7th after a private three-and-a-half-year struggle with brain cancer. Um, that This death hit me harder than most in the in the rock world and entertainment world. Um, and it, it re- reminded me of an, uh, an interview that I had read about him a few years ago during um, – it happened during their final uh, tour before they retired. And you don't think about these artists passing away. You always think they're always going to be in your life. And, and I knew that Rush had decided to retire. But you were always hoping for those occasional interviews that would pop up talking about previous tours and – uh, albums and, and just what's going on in their lives. So those, those three are very private, but they did do interviews. And one interview during the final tour of Rush, um, I'd read and just didn't sink in until I read it again through all the social media postings and uh, blogs and such that were going on around Neil's passing away. And uh, bear with me, I, I, I want to get to that interview and but I, but I want to showcase a little bit why Neil and Rush um, really have a lot in my life, uh, and, and it kind of gives a backstory uh, of why this death uh, kind of hit me a little bit harder than most. Uh, because he's, I discovered Neil and Rush when I was in high school, back in the beginning of the '80s. He had everything that I always dreamt of becoming as a drummer. He was just a master of what he did. He played this mammoth drum kit and was the master of the odd time signatures and just had the chops for the day. I was in the drum corps in high school playing uh, marching band, symphony, orchestra, even big band, uh, jazz. And at that time, no other progressive drummers were raising the bar to the level he did. As a drum corps, we just idolized him. I'd never seen or heard another drummer like him, and and none of us had. He, he had the same kind of impact on the drum community that somebody like Jimi Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen had on the guitar community. Like tens of thousands of other young drummers at that time, I just became obsessed with him and everything about him. Uh, that was around um, the Permanent Waves Moving Pictures era. And once I got hooked, I worked my way uh, backwards to the older albums and became completely obsessed with those. Uh, what did he do? Well, he played his instrument like he was playing a symphony or conducting a classical piece. He was so nuanced and creative. No drummer was playing like that. Uh, there are nuances in every fill, every groove. Uh, drummers around the world studied it. In fact, we we envisioned as a drum corps, hey, could we get Neil to uh, write us a cadence? <laughs> you know, we always joked about that or try to create a cadence that we think Neil would, would put together for our marching band. When they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013, it was totally appropriate that he opened the trio's acceptance speech. Uh, the musician and author, uh, as I said, he passed away at the age of 67, the beginning of this month, um, 
famously shied away from spotlight and rarely, rarely gave interviews. However, the Ontario native was uh, a quiet leader who shaped Rush's voice, writing the bulk of the band's lyrics and maintaining a steely, rock-solid presence behind the drum kit. Peart didn't play on the studio version of Working Man, which is Rush's first album, but he joined Rush that same year, replacing the original drummer, John Rutsey. Um, he became known for his philosophical musings on road life and restless souls, sharp critiques of power and greed, fantasy-tinged vignettes, and incisive political and social commentary cloaked in metaphor, earning him the nickname The Professor. Uh, the refinement on the drums earned him that nickname for sure, too. Um, it was well-deserved, carrying himself with an air of well-spoken authority. He possessed knowledge about a variety of topics owing to his extensive global travels. Once you got to read believe he published seven books on, on rush tours he was known for taking off on bicycle rides and later would hop on his motorcycle to travel to, between gigs and voraciously curious about the world around him peart found musical and personal brotherhood with bassist vocal uh, and vocalist getty lee and guitarist alex lifeson who made up the the trio of rush the trio's bond became alive during performances if you ever got to see them on stage i saw them twice and and Still remember that vividly. Uh, they were in immersive musical marathons that doubled as communal spiritual experiences. You could tell that they loved each other. Uh, shows featured an extended pure drum solo, of course, uh, performed with precision and creative freedom. Uh, but while highly te- technical, Peart's playing was always joyous. As any Rush fan will share, air drumming to 1981's Tom Sawyer can be one of those life's greatest pleasures. And And the lyrics and music he created were always constructive not deconstructive uh in our culture that's it seems to be so deconstructive right now neil peart's drum solo on rush's r40 took uh took the drummer an entire career to construct uh, i read recently and this is the article that i referenced earlier that i'd forgotten i'd read read it again and go oh yeah in 2015 he wrote for classic rock and explained the process at the final show on Rush's R40 tour at the LA Forum, Queens of the Stone Age drummer John Theodore was so moved by Neil Peart's playing that he was moved to comment, the solo was so impressionistic, stripped down to just Neil and the drums. No vids or sequences. I never saw that much flow and color and instinct set free in him before. Just effing beautiful. The comment got back to Peart, and here's his response. Let me just say right off, thank you, John, more than you know. I can only try to express how much it means to hear that somebody got it, what I was trying to achieve with that solo, a lifetime of achievement, really. Yet as I developed that solo through months of rehearsals and even into the tour, I was a little perplexed that I never received any feedback from bandmates or crew members. Sometimes people seem to take the attitude, ah, he already knows he's good, he doesn't need to hear it again. But do we? Don't we? Especially when pushing ourselves way out on a limb like that. Day after day, week after week, after each time we rehearsed that part of the show and I delivered my sketch of the solo, I was mildly concerned by the ringing silence. What did it mean? I worried that my ambitions were too high, my reach exceeding my grasp. I wasn't going to ask anyone what they thought, fearing the answer too much. My vague design for that solo was deceptively simple. I would approach it though as just sitting down at the drums to start playing, to exercise the uh, the skills that I've been working on for, oh, 10 years now. Technically, I was determined to exemplify everything. I thought I knew about drumming and everything I love about the drums. Almost 50 years of experience and passion had to get in there somehow. 
All through band rehearsals, I ran through sketches of what I was aiming for, rhythmic patterns, conversing over favored ostinatos, repeating rhythmic basses, uh, polyrhythms and counterrhythms laid across each other, and, and rudimentary snare work I always enjoyed riffing on, all the while letting it evolve naturally. But again, in all that time, playing that vision every day for weeks, nobody ever said anything. Not my longtime trusted drum tech, Lauren Gump Wheaton, not my bandmates, not Brad in the mixing room, not Jim Burgess, not the crew guys, nobody. Finally, some weeks into the tour, my friend Matt Scannell told me after a show that he really liked that solo, how it seemed to tell a story. I could have kissed him. I probably did, actually. We're like that. Late in the tour, another friend, Chris Stanky, Berkeley-educated drummer and longtime Sabian pal and writing buddy, had seen a few of our shows and described that solo in a way that swelled me up a big time. It's like the marriage of you as a lyricist and you as a drummer. It's the phrasing. And with all that, the technique doesn't go over the audience's head. So with those few nods and now Johns, I can rest easy knowing I accomplished what I set out to do, at least in the eyes and ears of those who could receive it. As my late drum teacher, Freddie Gooper, liked to say, what's the difference if you don't know the difference? I'm so glad some people do. When I reread this article, it really struck me and made me ask myself, do I confirm? Do I compliment? Do I give feedback to my podcast clients? I I believe I do, uh, but maybe not enough. As we all take the mic and begin the podcast journey, we all need that feedback, certainly at the beginning, with all the trials and errors and, and, and the molding of what that podcast is going to be over time. But we shouldn't miss the opportunity with more seasoned podcasters to let them know how well they are doing. That may be just as important a time as then the beginning, as, as Peart just talked about. Keep encouraging, keep giving feedback to your podcast pals. If, if you're part of a, of a podcast team, whether you're on mic or behind the scenes, keep giving that feedback one month in. 12 months in, two years in, uh, the hosts and the editors and the content creators need it. They need that constant feedback. Even when, when we're at our at the top of our game in our minds, we're never really there, are we? Um, the best can always get better little by little by little, and, and they want that feedback. That's what I'm going to do, and can, I'm going to continue to do with my podcast clients.